Before we jump in today's episode of the Gridiron Fantasy Show, I wanted to let you guys know about our brand new partnership with the DFS platform Parlay Play. Please use our code GRIDIRONFS for a 100% deposit match up to $100 plus a $5 free play game. Parlay Play is a new DFS platform. Much like Underdog, the more you put on your slip, the more you hit, the higher the multiplier is. So again, use our code GRIDIRONFS on Parlay Play. Wartenschlager to the sideline, caught first down. Woo! What a hit! Denzel Ward! You got barbecue back there? And you didn't invite me? Hurt my feelings! In trouble. Petras goes down. Aiden Hutchinson! He'll roll up on you folks and let you smell his cologne. Barrett looks. Welcome in to the Gridiron Fantasy Show. I'm your host, Paul. You can find me on Twitter at Gump7285. Flying solo for this Debbie episode. Unfortunately, my co-host Derek is feeling under the weather, so he's unable to join me this week. But hopefully he feels better here before too long. And I'll just jump right into it. Going to go over a recap of the later games from this past Saturday that we did not get to cover on our college football podcast on the Destination Debbie radio feed. And we'll kick it off with the Notre Dame Fighting Irish at the Duke Blue Devils. Notre Dame came in late on this one. A little bit slow-moving game for the most part. Notre Dame pulled out the W, 24-14, pulling away late in the game. I'd say best player on the field that night was probably Audric Estime. He had 18 rushes for 81 yards and two touchdowns. He also had four receptions for another 25 yards. Sam Hartman, 50% completion percentage, 222 yards, no touchdowns, but also no interceptions. So he didn't hurt his team in any way with that stat line. And then Duke, Riley Leonard, struggled for a majority of this game through the air, 12-27 for 134, a touchdown and a pick. He made his hay on the ground this week, 18 rushes for 88 yards. Unfortunately, on Duke's final offensive play, he was rolled up on pretty good. And so far, what I heard, it's a really bad high ankle sprain, which is a lot better than what a lot of people initially thought after seeing the injury. Thought it would be a lot worse than that. So prayers up for him, and hopefully he has a speedy recovery and he gets back to his team here before too long in the next couple of weeks. And we'll move on to the South Carolina Gamecocks at the Tennessee Volunteers. Seeing this one at the end of the first quarter, 14-10, I thought we were in for a shootout. Tennessee pulled away in the second quarter, ended up winning 41-20. Joe Milton looked like Joe Milton from Michigan, unfortunately. Seems like each week he's just slowly declining and putting up worse stats and not looking as good on the field. 21-32 for 239, a touchdown and two interceptions. That's what we've been afraid of is... His tendency to turn the ball over and make bad decisions in the passing game. And unfortunately, it is rearing its ugly head. Which, fortunately for him, he was able to still pull off the W for his team. Manage it well enough even with the turnovers. Uh, Spencer Rattler, 24-35 for 169 and a pick. 19 yards on the ground and a touchdown. So he didn't look very good passing the ball either. 
this game was a letdown, in my opinion, from the fireworks I was hoping to see and the better quarterback play coming from these two. And all in all, my takeaway from this one is I think Joe Melton's Debbie hype train is just about derailed to this point. They are 4-1, and one, so he's still winning ball games for him, so it's kind of hard to replace him with a freshman Nico. But I won't be surprised if he gets the hook here in the next couple of weeks. We'll move on to the final game of our nightcap. The Washington Huskies on the road at the Arizona Wildcats. This was, again, a letdown for me, personally. Michael Pittings Jr. still had a good game, minus no touchdowns. 30 of 40 for 363 yards. Somehow he did not throw a touchdown this game. They did have four rushing touchdowns as a team, and they won 31 to 24. I know I was very disappointed with Pennix's performance with the touchdowns. I had a five-pick flex play on prize picks. Zachariah Branch was involved, and of course he did not suit up for USC. So it turned out to be four picks. I hit the first three. My last one was a combo pick of Caleb Williams and Michael Pennix to have over seven and a half passing, rushing, receiving touchdowns. As we all know, Caleb Williams went the hell off and had six touchdowns by himself. So I thought, oh, Penix will get two. No big deal. He's averaging over three a game. Nope. Didn't get a single one for me. Couldn't even muster two. So that was unfortunate for me. But they are still undefeated. He still did have a hell of a day passing outside of the touchdowns. Now I'll jump to jump into a preview of week six and a handful of highly anticipated games that I am looking forward to as well as some bets that I have already placed on the games. We'll kick it off down in SEC country as the Ole Miss Rebels will be hosting the Arkansas Razorbacks. Ole Miss of course coming off a red hot high scoring affair and a big win against LSU. Uh, Currently according to DraftKings Sportsbook Ole Miss is favored by 11.5 this one. Can't say I disagree with that. With the way Arkansas has been playing, we saw K.J. Jefferson struggle last week, and Raheem Sanders finally made his return, but again, he is struggling like he has all season so far. Unfortunately for Arkansas, I see Ole Miss taking him to the woodshed on this one and walking away with a W with no problems whatsoever. For this one, I'm doing a ladder play, so I'm taking... Every every half point or every full point of the total score of the game, over 62, all the way up to 66.5, putting a unit on each of those. I just think this is going to be a high-scoring affair, mostly from Ole Miss's side, but we've seen it from Arkansas in the past that K.J. Jefferson can light it up and can keep up with a lot of teams in the country. Then we'll move on to my Michigan Wolverines visiting Minnesota. So the back-to-back weeks on the road for the Wolverines coming off a big blowout win of the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Michigan is currently favored by 19.5 on the road. I expect a big game from Blake Corum in this one. Minnesota struggles to score points. Currently ranked 97th in the whole nation. Scoring 24 points a game. Michigan has the top scoring defense at only 6 points per game allowed. I've not allowed more than seven points to any given team. So I expect a big day from Blake Corum, great game management from J.J. McCarthy, and hopefully for Debbie, I'd really love to see freshman running back from Minnesota, Darius Taylor, make his return this week. I have absolutely no idea if that's going to happen or what his status currently is, 
but I'm just hoping that he'll be at the game against this rough and tough Michigan defense and see what the young man's got going early. Unfortunately, right now, I don't have any bets for this one just because Michigan's so highly favored. Money line's not going to do anything. And right now, I'm up in the air on what I want to do with the total score as well as the spread. We'll move on to the Alabama Crimson Tide visiting the Texas A&M Aggies. And i got to say, this was a more anticipated matchup in the preseason than it is currently. Alabama ranked 11th, Texas A&M unranked. Down their starting quarterback, Connor Wegman. If Wegman was starting, I'd be a lot more confident in Texas A&M pulling out the win. They are only two-and-a-half-point home dogs, so the books think it's going to be a very close one. I won't be surprised if Texas A&M wins, but I think Bama's still going to pull it together. Jalen Milrow's going to bounce back from last week. It's going to be a heavy dose of Le'Veon Moss from Texas A&M, and I won't be surprised to see Kool-Aid McKinnistry shut down Evan Stewart. He hasn't had the best performances with Max Johnson the last game and a half. I expect that to continue on the downward slope and him to be under wraps for a majority of this game and Bama to walk into Aggieland and come out with a W. And on this one, same thing. I, the only bets I currently have right now is Alabama covering the two and a half point spread. So we'll see what happens with that one. As always, Jimbo versus Nick Saban. So going to be a fun matchup, no doubt about it. And then we'll go out to Pac-12 land. The Washington State Cougars, led by Cam Ward, against UCLA, led by Dante Moore. Two of my absolute favorite Debbie quarterbacks. I have them both ranked within my top seven or eight. I believe it's top seven currently. UCLA is a home favorite at three and a half points, being the unranked one-loss team. I disagree with that one. I'm taking the Washington State money line. I'm a big, big Cam Ward guy. I have been for the last couple of years since he was at Incarnate Incarnate Ward. He's made a big leap this year. He's really impressed a lot of the nation. He's excellent. He's a first-round talent, I believe. He's got all the tools in the toolbox. UCLA's defense isn't the best, isn't the worst. Mediocre defense, I'd say. So I think Cam Ward's going to be able to get it done. Like I said, I'm taking the money line and also another ladder on the total score. So I'm starting at over 57.5 all the way up to 61.5. We know Washington State can put it put up points in a hurry. And I think UCLA can too with Dante Moore and Michael J. Sturdivant. And then Carson Steele, of course, on the ground being the workhorse he is. He can pound it up the middle and just really wear on a defense as the game goes on. So I'm really looking forward to this one. Then we'll move on to Maryland at Ohio State for this one. OSU is favored by 20 at home. No surprise there. But I'm going to take Maryland covering the spread at plus 20. Maryland is pretty good. They're a little under the radar, underrated if I would say. Coming in this one, they are undefeated. They have played OSU well for at least the first half the last couple of years, especially in Columbus the last time they played. Uh, Tylea Tagovailoa is on a tear, having a great season so far. So I think they'll just be able to cover the spread, probably lose by 14 or 17, but I don't see it being more than 20 points whatsoever. We've seen OSU struggle early in the season. They struggled against Notre Dame, albeit they are a great defensive team. So I'm not really looking too forward to this one. I've seen so many OSU games close in the first half, and they just come back and spank you in the second half and run away with it. 
I expect the same to happen here, but Maryland just going to keep it close enough to cover that spread for me. And then we have LSU at Missouri. This one, I think, is more overlooked this week. LSU dropping the game to Ole Miss, ranked number 23. Missouri coming in undefeated, ranked number 21. Luther Burden is having one hell of a season. He's actually outperforming Malik Neighbors. More receptions, more yards, more touchdowns so far. And we know just how hot and how highly talked about Malik Neighbors has been. And Luther Burden's having a better season, in all honesty. I do apologize for any background noise you hear. My dogs decided to run amok in my home office tonight and just be all over the place. So I do apologize for that. But back to the game preview. Uh, Brady Cook, quarterback of Missouri, is also having a pretty damn fine season in his own right. We know what Jaden Daniels is doing, putting up Heisman-worthy numbers. LSU comes into this one on the road, favored by six and a half. I'm taking Missouri to cover that spread, and I'm taking their money line. I think Missouri is sneaky good, and LSU is reeling, coming off that road loss to Ole Miss. So maybe their mind is still back in the gutter of what could have been on that close game. But I'm taking Missouri in this one. I think they got just enough juice in the tank to get it done. Like I said, I'm taking their money line as well as their spread. And then another total score ladder from over 60 to 64 and a half. And now my personal game of the week, I don't call it the Red River rivalry. I grew up, it was the Red River shootout. That's what I'm always going to call it. Oklahoma against the Texas Longhorns. Currently, Texas is favored by six and a half. Over-under is set at 16.5. Like always, we're going to have some points in this one. It's bound to happen. They're both 5-0 and coming into this one. Oklahoma does have a more high-powered scoring offense, as well as their defense has held their opponents to less points than Texas. But overall talent and skill-wise, I think Texas does have the better all-around defense and the better all-around team, to be honest with you. I expect a big game from Quinn Ewers again in this rivalry game as well as running back Jonathan Brooks, who has bursted onto the scene as of late, putting up monster numbers for this offense and giving them a real running threat and reliable running back. This one's going to be fun to watch. Dylan Gabriel's going to go out there and do his thing and put up a lot of yards and a few touchdowns. Hopefully, Andrew Anthony coming off a one catch for 16 yards last week. Hopefully, he'll bounce back and have a big game. But on this one, I got the Texas money line as well as the total score from over 58 and a half all the way up to 63. So I'm expecting this one to have lots of fireworks, lots of points, and just be a very enjoyable game for us to watch. So those are the games I'm really looking forward to most and just some early bets that I got placed on them at this moment. And all my bets are for one unit. Right now I'm doing five, $5 units so I can place a little bit more bets. So I'm going with a lower unit size, but five bucks on every bet that I do right now. Move on to some risers and fallers from this past week. Uh, Jonathan Brooks, as I just mentioned, having a great season. Kind of really unknown in the Debbie community, I'd say, as a consensus. Very overlooked, especially in that running back room with C.J. Baxter, Keelan Robinson, and then Jadon Blue was also highly touted recruit. But Jonathan Brooks is doing it on the ground as well as in the receiving game, putting up big numbers. He is eligible for the 2024 draft. We'll see if he comes out. If he does, that would only bolster this running back class even more. If you're in Debbie Leagues, I'd be trying to take a flyer on him. You never know what can happen. We saw with Roshan Johnson. 
He was not the main guy ever at Texas, but he is very, very talented, much like Jonathan Brooks. And he could be a sneaky running back to keep your eye on as the draft process goes on. And then staying with the running backs, Le'Veon Moss from Texas A&M. 97 yards two weeks ago, and then I think 107 this past week. So since Max Johnson has been at the helm, he has been leading on much, much more. And I love to see it. He was a high four-star recruit coming into Texas A&M. And up to the last two weeks, we haven't really seen much out of him. But he is the man in that backfield as of right now. He's going to get a lot of carries, especially in an Alabama game. I think they're going to try to slow down the pace, control the line of scrimmage, and control the the time management. So I expect a heavy dose of Le'Veon Moss this upcoming week and another 100-plus yard game, hopefully. But he is moving up my rankings. He's been very talented, and now we're finally seeing seeing it on the field, which is just great. And then Brendan Rice. My third and final riser for this week. Seven touchdowns so far. He is the receiving touchdown leader for USC. Scored in every game with two multiple touchdown games. He's rising up my boards in a hurry. Right now he is Debbie wide receiver number 17 for me. You'll hear about him a lot more in my buy and sell weekly article over on DestinationDebbie.com that will drop this Friday with some more insight and analysis and a why. He's rising for me, why he's a sleeper, and why I'm currently trying to buy the heck out of him, if at all possible. And then to a couple of fallers. Unfortunately, this one hurts me to say, but Raheem Rocket Sanders. This guy's been my 24 running back for the past year or so. Ahead of Travion Henderson consistently for me. I love his game. I love his body of work so far at Arkansas. He's been a high-level producer. He's an all-around back. He's big. He's fast. He's everything you want. Been nicked up this year and has underperformed severely. So no choice but to dig him in the rankings and going forward right now until we see some more out of him. And the way he's going right now, I don't know when that train is going to get back on track. He did add some weight compared to last season. So maybe he's playing at a weight he's not very comfortable with as of yet. It's just might not be the right playing weight for him. Who knows? Whatever the reason is, on top of the injuries, he's just not playing well. And I really hope he turns it around this week or very, very soon. And then my last faller for the week, Joe Milton. Touched on him earlier when I did the recap of the South Carolina-Tennessee game. Same exact reasons. Looks like Michigan Joe Milton all over again. Careless with the ball. Turnovers. Not producing at an efficient elite level like he has up to this point. So that's why he's falling, and I think the Joe Milton NFL draft hype train is just about dead for me. So you can put me in that majority that doesn't like Joe Milton and doesn't think he's going to be an NFL quarterback as of this moment. And now on to a couple guys I'm looking to buy or sell as of this moment. Two very elite guys that I'm sure a lot of people are not expecting to hear on the sell side of the fence. First up is Quinshawn Judkins. Up until this past game against LSU, where he dropped 177 yards on the ground and a touchdown, he's played about as good as Raheem Sanders has up to this point, which is not very good at all. Not the production we thought he would have coming into the season after coming off the amazing freshman season he did have. I know for me, that thought starting to creep in the back of my head that maybe he was so good because he was playing with Zach Evans as much hate as Zach Evans has gotten throughout his college career. 
He was still a very good college running back, put up very good numbers, almost 1,000 yards last year next to Judkins. So I'm slowly starting to think that Evans had a little bit to do with Judkins, having more wide-open running lanes, having fresher legs, things along those lines. Couple that with his extremely slow start for essentially no reason at all, no injuries. The team hasn't been playing extremely bad, but he has been mediocre at best. So right now I'm looking to sell coming off that very hot game and get an absolute haul from him. Because for me personally, he is still within my top five Debbie running backs. A lot of other people I know have him higher than that in the top three, even top two. And I know a couple of small minority have him as the overall Debbie running back one. So I'd be looking to get rid of him. You'll also find him in my buy-sell article this Friday with some additional analysis. So check that out. And then Brock Bowers, the unquestioned Debbie tight end one, absolute beast. This has nothing to do with his talent or what he is doing at Georgia currently. More so with the tight end landscape overall, I would say. He is an elite talent, but how high... Sorry, trip over my words here. Right now, we've seen Kyle Pitts come in, extremely talented. Very, very bad situation for him currently. Not producing in year three still. He came out of college, the unquestioned tight end one. Walked into Dynasty as a top three tight end for most people. And we still haven't seen the production outside of his thousand yards his rookie year. I'm not saying that's going to be Brock Bowers. But we know how the Debbie game goes. A lot of guys look great in college coming to the NFL and just flop or don't play as Played to the expectations we have or at a high enough level for us. And like I said, with the overall tight end landscape, I mean, hell, look at Sam Laporta. Look at the draft capital he got and look at your rookie drafts or your Debbie drafts. If he was even owned in your Debbie leagues before declaring, you know, he was a third, fourth round fantasy rookie pick in most drafts. Second round on the high end if you had a real believer in your league. But now, look, he's crushing records so far on pace to crush records. One of the top tight ends in the league performance-wise. And almost next to nothing was invested in him. So why invest in the high asset of Brock Bowers when you could possibly invest way, way less and hit on someone else that looks to be elite as well? And with the name, the name he has still holds lots of value. The numbers he's putting up and how good he's looking... I can't imagine the haul you can get for him. I personally don't have any shares of him, but he would be someone that I would be looking to sell and sell in a hurry before the draft time comes up and a lot of people start to fade tight end as the new strategy that some people, well not some people, most people platoon at tight end, take what they can get, take those shots on like the Sam Laportas, guys like that, and they end up hitting for cheap. So I'm not looking to invest in the tight ends as I used to. So Brock Bowers is a sell for me and is selling as fast as I can possibly get him off my team. Now we'll move on to a new weekly segment here on the Gridiron Fantasy Show, the Freshman Spotlight. First time doing this, and it's going to be a weekly segment, as I just said. Just looking at a couple of freshmen from this past week that performed very well, whether they're well-known or lesser-known, doesn't really matter for this segment. First up is one of our favorite running backs here on the show, C.J. Baxter, or Texas. 16 carries for 68 yards, averaged 4.3 a tote. He also had two receptions for 16 yards. 
very good showing for him. Lots of work. You know, him with 18 touches overall. So that was great to see, even in a game where Jonathan Brooks had 20 carries, two touchdowns, went over 200 yards, had almost 250 yards all-purpose. Quinn Ewers also had over 300 yards. So it was great to see him get lots of work, even with the dominance of his teammates around him. So I'm loving C.J. Baxter. He's a top-10 Debbie running back for me. Absolutely Built like an NFL running back already. Over six foot, over 200 pounds, can catch the ball. He can do it all. He's going to be a really hot name going forward. And I just can't wait to see him take over that backfield. Hopefully next year, Jonathan Brooks decides to clear. We will see on that one. And then probably the hottest freshman name this week. Coming out of Colorado. Freshman wide receiver, Omarion Miller. Seven receptions for 196 and a touchdown. Man, absolutely beautiful toe drag on the sideline, falling out of bounds. He played one hell of a game. I think it was his first game played this year. If it wasn't, it was his first game with significant playing time, and he was virtually unguardable. He only missed one target, so he caught seven of eight. Averaged 28 yards a catch with a long of 65. He had one hell of a game and was a big part of Colorado's comeback down the stretch. He is someone to keep your eye on going forward, especially being tied to that offense of Sean Lewis and Shadur Sanders. Hopefully he is a regular in the offense going forward. I know they're rather loaded in that wide receiver room with Xavier Weaver, Jimmy Horn Jr., and Travis Hunter whenever he does come back. So at best, Amarion Miller would be the fourth wide receiver. But in this offense, that's not necessarily a bad thing. He can still get pretty good work for a freshman being the fourth guy in this offense. So kudos to him of having that huge game against a top eight opponent in USC. And now we'll move on to my Heisman rankings for this upcoming week. My rankings from last week, I had at one through five, Caleb Williams, Michael Penix Jr., Jordan Travis, Blake Corm, and Cam Ward to round out my top five. This week, a slight change up. Still one and two, Caleb Williams and Michael Penix. Can't move Michael Penix down. He still threw 360 yards, 30 of 40, uh, 75% completion percentage. Just didn't have the touchdowns this week, but still posted a monster stat line. Uh, Number three, a new appearance on this list, Quinn Ewers. Posted 325 yards through the air. He also had one touchdown, and he flashed his dual threat ability and his wheels on a 30-yard touchdown run against Kansas. And he also had another rushing touchdown as well. So putting up good numbers, leading the Longhorns to another big victory over a ranked team. Heading into the Red Red River. Man, I always trip up on that. The Red River Shootout. I expect another big game against the subpar Oklahoma Big 12 defense. And number four, Cam Ward. Moved up one spot from last week, coming off another big game for him. And I expect to see another big game this week against UCLA. And then number five, I swapped out my Michigan running back for my Michigan quarterback, J.J. McCarthy. He did have three picks in the Bowling Green game, but outside of that, he still has the highest completion percentage in the nation. Last week, he went 12-16 of for 156, two touchdowns, and then added 30 yards and a touchdown on the ground. His numbers aren't eye-popping or overwhelming, but that's the unfortunate reality of being the Michigan quarterback. 
you're not going to put up those monstrous numbers, but he is being extremely efficient, leading this team to wins easily so far this season. So for me, it's hard to keep him out when his completion percentage is that high and his turnovers all came in one game. We're finally starting to see the dual threat ability once again as the Big Ten schedule rolls on. So once again, I got Caleb Williams, Michael Penix, Quinn Ewers, Cam Ward, and J.J. McCarthy. And now I'll move on to my playoff top six for the college football playoff rankings. Last week it was Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, Penn State, Texas, Washington. This week I got a little bit of a shakeup. I moved Michigan up to number one. Georgia did have one hell of a victory on the road at Auburn. But I don't believe they should have won that game. I believe Auburn deserved to win it, and they just couldn't get it done. And Georgia took the lead late with a monstrous run by Brock Bowers for the go-ahead touchdown. Michigan's been way more dominant this season. We've seen Georgia struggle against Auburn. They struggled for a half against UAB. And I just think Michigan is the better team top to bottom offensively as well as defensively. They are the best defense in the nation in my eyes, the top scoring defense. Again, they haven't allowed more than seven points to any given opponent so far. So it is time for them to get the respect they deserve, and they have it for me in my ranking list. And also absolutely completely non-biased, even though I am a Michigan man, I fully believe they are the most talented team in the nation right now with the best defense. Now that always moves Georgia down to number two. In Texas, moving up from number five to number three after their ranked win against Kansas. I think they have a top five defense in the country, as well as a top five offense when everything is clicking on the right day. And number four, Florida State moved down just a tick, as well as Penn State moved down just one slot, and Washington is still in the top six, rounding that out. Washington... That Pac-12 between Washington, USC, and Oregon, as well as Oregon State, Utah, Colorado. It's a very tough conference. Surprisingly, we all like to joke about the Pac-12, but they might just be the best conference at this moment in the whole nation. They have multiple Heisman Trophy candidates from Bo Nix, Cam Ward, Michael Penix, Caleb Williams. It's a great conference. It's unfortunate it's going away next year with all the realignment and whatnot. So they are, as of right now, going to go out on one hell of a note. I know some people are probably wondering, well, why is Jaden Daniels not in your top five? LSU has lost twice. This is a personal player award, but I predict they will lose again this week. When's the last time we saw a three-loss, sorry, a player on a three-loss team win a Heisman Trophy? Off the top of my head at the moment, I can't remember. I won't be surprised if they lose more than three games. I'm sure Jaden Daniels will keep this up every game, you know, going over 300, 400 passing yards, three, four touchdowns, almost 100 rush yards. But I don't think he's the best player in the nation by any means. Uh, my money is on Caleb Williams right now to go back-to-back with the dominant season he's having, and I don't foresee him slowing down. So that'll wrap it up for this week's episode for Debbie. Again, you can find us all on Twitter at Gump7285. You can find Derek at D underscore Cook 93. And the podcast on all platforms at Gridiron underscore FS. 
please give us a rating review on Apple Podcast as well as Spotify. We'd greatly appreciate just two minutes of your time to go ahead and do that and help the show out a whole hell of a lot. And then you'll catch our next episode over on the Destination Devi radio feed doing our instant analysis to this upcoming Saturday's games. So make sure you check that out as well as my upcoming Devi buys and sells article dropping this Friday on Destination.com. Appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll see you again next week with Derek back once again.